If you find yourself enjoying this episode of the Taillights Podcast, please take the time to go and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to the Taillights Podcast. I'm Eric Thormalen, and this morning I'm joined by longtime football coach Lynn Graves. Coach Graves, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well for an old man. Still <laughs> getting around a little bit, been able to avoid the virus and uh, feeling pretty good most of the time. Well, yes, sir. God, uh, hopefully, God has that uh, helps you continue to avoid it and everything. Um, Coach, our listeners, of course, they've read the description and everything, and, and they'll know that you've been at uh, Stephen F. Austin in Jacksonville and San Augustine. And But uh, tell our listeners a little bit about where you grew up and what your parents did. Well, really, I grew up in a small community outside of Carthage named Balcom, which is uh, which was taken over by Lake Merval in the middle 50s uh, we lived on a farm out there uh, approximately well uh, 150 something acres uh, my granddad came there in the early 1840s and my great granddad and settled the bought up the land and at one time we owned uh, about 2,000 acres uh, between brothers and sisters and uh, uh, all of those will the land divided and we ended up living on the, my dad was the youngest of the eight children and we ended up living on a a small East Texas farm, and that's kind of where I grew up, kind of out in the country, away from everything. And, you know, as they say, I was roping and riding by the time I was five or six years old. So, uh, hunting, and uh, how, that how, was our life. How many siblings did you have? Uh, in my mine, where I had. Uh, three brothers and one sister. I have one brother still living. I lost a sister and a younger brother. Uh, in our family, it, it's always been uh, very tough because uh, we have a, a family history of what you call polycystic disease of the kidneys, which uh, every other child in the family basically has it and my sister and my younger brother both had it and uh, it causes cysts on your kidneys where it, where it uh, as you go through when you get about 45 and uh, on well then those cysts develop and uh, uh, you eventually do what you call bleed to death from your kidneys, and uh, my younger brother had had a transplant, had had two transplants by the time he was 56, and uh, my, my, myself and my older brother did not have it, and uh, we're very fortunate in 
you got any uh, any uh, good stories that come to mind growing up with uh, your siblings there in the farm life? Oh, yeah, we, you know, on a farm, you know, you always, uh, you have to have entertainment of some kind. And most of the time, my dad was a very, very uh, astute person. In other words, uh, he was very smart. He was like my younger brother. Uh, you know, high intelligence. Uh, you know, my younger brother went to college at East Texas State University, which was, you know, just direct opposite of me because I went to Stephen F. He had to go to Commerce to go to East Texas so we could, you know, always be rivals. And uh, <laughs> when you're 18 months apart, that's kind of the way sometimes how things work out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was uh, very interesting. And, uh, you know, I remember one time we came in from Hay Meadow which, oh, it was after dark. And uh, my dad told me, he said, um, he said, let's go ahead and take the mule and ride on in. And I had the old mule that pulled the turnaround on the hay baler. And, and basically that mule would just walk in a circle all day long and make the hay baler work. And you'd pitch fork in the hay and it'd turn out the bales. And uh, so it's, a little bit after dark and I start out of there or about dark and uh, I start up the dirt road old gravel road cross a couple bridges and get almost to the top of the hill and uh, all of a sudden I hear something coming I mean uh, running wide open and I hear him come across the two bridges behind me and that mule and the next thing I know is the our four or five horses that got out the gate behind us, which I had forgot to close. And here they come and run across those bridges and they're running up that hill and that mule I was riding. All of a sudden decided she wanted to get in that pack of horses and I was the thing keeping her from it. So uh, in the dark, you know, I didn't even know when I went up and I barely remember when I come down, but when I hit the ground, I definitely knew what was going on because I come in, I had both hands skint, both knees skint. I was about six, seven years old, I guess, you know, crying. Mama says, what is wrong with you? What happened? I said, Mama, that mule told me so high, I thought I was going to the moon. And that, that, that was the highlight of 
from East Texas State with about a uh, three nine eight average, which uh, on a four point system is pretty decent. He had a couple of B's, I think. Me, uh, I had a couple of B's, and I become a football coach <laughs> and a teacher, and uh, that's kind of where my family. Uh, all ended up as we grew up, all the siblings in it, but it was a good life for all of us. Take those B's and C's and turn them into X's and O's. Did you get into football in high school or was it later? Oh, no, I was in football in high school from the, from the seventh grade on. Gotcha. Did you, go to, did you end up going to Carthage High School then? I ended up in Carthage High School. teachers or coaches influence you into going into the career in education or did that come later at SFA? Jackson was the 
Well, uh, you, when you when you went to SFA, that's where you started your uh, coaching career right out of college. Then was Jacksonville. Uh, yes, that was my first time full paying job. Now I worked two years in, at Stephen F. Austin, uh, coaching the offensive line, of which uh, you know probably one of the hardest jobs I ever had overall because I was a guy that played on the offensive line, and the next year I was or that spring I started coaching the offensive line. And at that time, Stephen L. Austin only had three coaches. Uh, uh, Coach Hughes, uh, you know, Coach Crawford, and a guy named Carter Franklin. And uh, Carter was uh, one year older than me, and he was out of Texas A&M. And Coach Hughes was from Texas A&M. And Coach Crawford, of course, he was from Garrison and had been at Stephen L. for a while. And then when I came out, I just went right into coaching. Me and a guy named Shub Minter from Jacksonville. Uh, Shub coached on the defensive side, and I coached the offensive line. And basically, they turned the secondary over to Shub, and they turned the offensive line over to me. And that's the way it was. And, you know, it, 22 or 23 here I am coaching the offensive line in college and, and what year would that have been oh that was 65 okay gotcha right through there what what made you want to switch over to uh, you know to the public school world from coaching there at SFA well I had to get them some money oh well, they you didn't pay, they pay they... a graduate assistant what did they pay a graduate assistant? <laughs> Not very much in those days. <laughs> Do you, you know, remember? I could get a, a free meal ticket at the cafeteria every once in a while, but that wouldn't happen to my wife because she couldn't eat women. At that time, I was married and had one kid, and she worked at the Boyette's Jewelry downtown. And uh, let's just say we survived. Yeah, okay. But I was looking for a place of of honest employment with a chick. Right. And I might, you know, just for introduction of, a, of how coaching is, I went to work in Jacksonville High School in 1968. I made $4,600 a year teaching and coaching. Now, some of those guys, guys nowadays make that much in a month. I made that much in a year. Can you say that number one more time? $4,600. Wow. $4,600 and some change. <laughs> uh, but, you know, me and my wife and my daughter, we made it. Yeah. What? Uh, we got started. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember about what your rent was, or, or I mean, I don't know if you bought a house. Oh, my rent at that time. Mm-hmm. What was my rent? Uh, it was fifty seventy five dollars. I lived in a house owned by a man named George Staten, who had went in and built about six. He built six rent houses on one street. And everybody that lived there, there was two coaches, later on to be three. 
that lived in those six houses, and, and really, Mr. George, that's what he, uh, he kind of kept a pretty tight neighborhood on, on his rent houses, and, and uh, he was the kind of guy that expected to get paid, uh, drove by about once a week to check and make sure everybody was mowing their yards and cleaning their yards. And uh, he didn't have any bones about telling you, you know, you need to pick up or you need to do this or you need to do that. And, and, but he had nice rent houses, but he kept them that way also. And he did that for a long time in Jacksonville. Uh, <clears throat> very good man, owned state, state and lumber company there in Jacksonville. And, and, Nice. How long do you end up staying there at Jacksonville? Nine years. Nine years? What all did you teach during that time? Oh, I didn't teach. I, I taught uh, half a year of uh, PE classes. Uh, one class per day for half a year. Hmm. The I didn't have time to teach. Uh, at 7 o'clock in the morning, I started 7th grade football. Okay. At, uh, right before lunch, at 11.30, I started 8th grade football. <laughs> uh, first period was 7th grade football. Third period was 8th grade football. I left 8th grade football, and at 1.15 from the high school, I went over there, and I helped coach the ninth grade. And right after the ninth grade, went up the hill back to the field house, or then down the hill come the JV. Uh, and then about 30 minutes later, or an hour later, down the hill come the varsity. I was on a football field from eight o'clock in the morning to my, seven at night and then I was in meetings to nine and then the next day started over so uh, you know the first year we uh, went to Jacksonville we had a pepper I mean a, a booster club like me to Indians you know and they mm -hmm. asked me to speak and uh, I told them I said you know I don't really know anything about Jacksonville so far I, I said I know about football players and those people. But I said, you know, I really haven't even been uptown. Uh, I haven't had time to associate and find out anything about Jacksonville. The only thing I've been doing is coaching uh, six, seven days a week. And uh, I, I said, you know, Coach Sheffield don't like coaches to have too much off time, and I don't have any. So I'm the youngest on the staff, so I don't have any all the time, so that's, but that was, uh, everybody got a kick out of that, <laughs> but that was pretty much the truth, and uh, that's kind of the way the early years went, and well, what, you can uh, learn a lot of football in a few years if you're working that hard at it, Yeah, and we did. What, what brings about a change to Jacksonville? What do you end up doing after nine years there? Uh, Coach Simmons, who was at 
refer back to Stephen F. Austin as the head coach. And when he got the job, he called me and asked me, did I want to go to work for him? And I said, yes, sir. And I ended back up at Stephen L. Austin for the next 15, 16 years. Uh, and from there, I go from, you know, assistant to, uh, I came back to Stephen Elf. I started coaching defense. And from there, I had some good teachers. Hmm. I had, uh, of course, Coach Mark Crawford, uh, who was really one of the guys that was started way back there with a 4-3 defense and came all the way through with it. Uh, new defense, new coverages, knew the whole system. He was a good friend of Bum Phillips and fit into that uh, package and that style of uh, coaching and teaching and learned an awful lot of things from him. And then Coach Coach Simmons let Coach Crawford run the defense and uh, Coach Simmons ran the offense and we just uh, we just tried to put together a program and uh, then it, I had been there for five or six years with Coach Simmons and then Coach Jim S. came in to Stephen F. Then I worked for him for five or six years and then of course Coach S. left and then I became the head coach and uh, worked there about, worked as a head coach for three years and then moved to, then got fired from there and moved to San Augustine. I can honestly say, you know, uh, the only job I've ever had was at Jacksonville High School where I was never fired or run off or asked to leave. The rest of them, I've pretty much been run out of town or run off. Uh, Stephen Elf and St. Augustine and uh, mostly uh, due to politics, which I'm not a very good politician. <laughs> well, you know, that that's one of the things about uh, that whole job. Sometimes it becomes a lot more politics than it should be. It should be about the kids and, and unfortunately sometimes a lot of ego and, and other stuff like that will slip in from people having to it do...
Yes, sir. Well, I got a couple questions for you going back to SFA and, you know, looking at your time there as an assistant coach and everything. What do you think were some really good things that maybe you learned and, and picked up on that helped prepare you to be a head coach? Because because for our listeners that don't know, I mean, they're in your first season. You're going to take Stephen F. Austin to the greatest heights that they've been to. You're going to take them to the national championship game where you guys are going to lose in a close one. And I'll let you elaborate on any of that stuff you want to. But what are some things that you that you learned in that assistant coach's role that helped prepare you to guide a team uh, to that to that height? I, well, I, I think one of the greatest things I had going on in the whole time I was coaching was I had good men at the top. That was number one. And then those guys at the top were not selfish with uh, their thoughts or beliefs or how they made uh, or how we made it work. Uh, Coach S was an exceptional person as far as a student of the game and the amount of travel, learning, talking, visiting, uh, discussing. Uh, while I was at Stephen F, uh, we took off one, one summer or left in May, uh, come back home in June,
definitely. What, um, you, you know, of course, I don't know if you want to go into anything about the, the, in particular about the season, any, any games that you remember that, uh, that were really special in that 89 season where you guys played for the national championship or, you know, obviously everything you just said, the bigger picture of it all. I mean, that's what really matters. But uh, if there is anything you'd like to mention about that season, of course, for our listeners, do you guys lose, is it 35 to 31 to Georgia Southern? Uh, yes. Yes, sir. It's uh, a really close game. I'll, I'll let you mention anything you'd like to about that season. Maybe we shouldn't have been there. 
decision that the game would be played there back then? Was it based on regular season record or did y'all flip a coin? Oh, no. mentioned about that you did tell me a great story on the phone the other night about the beginning of that season and kind of analyzing things making sure it got off to the start you wanted of course if you don't want to tell that story on here that's perfectly fine I mean uh, I, I thought that was very uh, very good wisdom for anybody that starts off in that head coaching role to kind of analyze the staff as you did and make sure everything is, is going to be directed in the way you want it to be but again I can edit this question out and, and, and take it away if you don't want to tell that story if you don't, we could go on. No, I don't mind. Uh, okay. You know, uh, really, there's there there's so many things that as you go through and uh, that I learned, and uh, there was some. Uh, I guess you would say a philosophy of how you want to accomplish things and. You know, that's why after many years of, of coaching and uh, being involved, it, like at San Augustine, it took uh, me many years to reach a point there to where I had the people. Well, it was very much, it was very different at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Jim has and 
89, we had a good football team. We had a good, solid quarterback named Todd Hamill, a uh, running back named Larry Centers. Uh, Todd played about 10 or 12 years in the pro ranks up there in the Arena Football League, and Larry played all over the NFL and, and did a good job. Uh, you know, we had uh, receivers, uh, Joe Bradford, uh, uh, 
Coach, that, that, those were some good stories there about the good times at SFA. What? Uh, how long does it take after you guys? Because to me, you play for the the national championship there at SFA. You take a program to heights that you haven't been to. I would think if you're a coach that does that, you probably have a five to ten year leash to be able to build things in the way that you see fit. But you're not going to get that kind of a you know length of time. It, it's going to come to an end you know, relatively quickly, I guess you could say. What what brings all that about? And you alluded to it early with earlier with politics, but I'll let you elaborate if you'd like. Well, uh, you know, I, I was a Stephen F. Austin player. I was a Stephen F. Austin coach. I left Stephen F. Austin. I went back to Stephen F. Austin, and I thought, uh, you know, one of the hardest one of the things that I returned to Stephen F. Austin for was one reason. I wanted to build a program that Stephen F. Austin could be proud of, that could win. Uh, you know, Texas A&I did it under Gil Stanky. Uh, East Texas State did it under Ernest Hawkins. San Angelo State did it under Jim Hess. Uh, you know, the, those were programs in the state of Texas at the same size college we were at, and Stephen F. Austin had never been there. Uh-huh. Stephen F. Austin had never been the team to put together a long-winning championship uh, or a quality team. Uh, we weren't, in 89, when we won, we weren't set up great behind, we were at a point to where we could recover in about a year 
Yes, sir. I, I'm, a, I'm a guy that, you know, I, I coach football as hard as I can. I do the things I think is necessary for the kids, the program, and, and the school district or the school to be uh, very efficient, you know, and uh, try to carry out those things in developing a program. And, and you know what was really funny? Uh, we had just beat Sam Houston, and I knew I had a pretty good football team. I get fired. Uh, Phil Bounds, who's now my defensive coordinator, uh, he takes over and runs the rest of the season, and those guys go uh, five and six or I mean five and one. Uh, they go to Mac. They go to Macnice and play. I mean, yeah, Macnice and play for the conference championship in the last game of the year. Hmm. They're playing for the conference championship. That's the team that got fired. We got all this, and that's with all the hub blue and all everything going on. Well, needless to say, they don't hire him. They. Uh, they uh, uh, turn around and hire uh, the guy from Texas A&M the next year. That year, that guy comes the closest to winning uh, the conference championship of any year that he's there, and that's two years away from where my kids were, and he years. And he did a good job with my ex-players. And he didn't even have to add, run off, or nothing. He came in and went to coaching. The team was rebuilt, and it was restarted, and it was set up like it should be. And he just took over and had a couple, two or three, four good years there. And uh, it's funny how things exist and uh, how impatient at times people become uh, about winning, uh, you know, and uh, I, I had the same experience at San Augustine High School. Uh, you know, I had some people there in town that didn't like me. Uh, I didn't care. Well, it, I wasn't there coaching people. Right. That's that's what people don't understand about a coach. Is you're not coaching people. You're you're coaching kids. To beat people right. that you don't want to see them grow up like their mom and daddy sometimes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You well, then that's what you work at. You work at at trying to get a trying to get those kids to understand as they go through life, they're gonna to have to develop their own their own likes, dislikes. Uh, you know politics, uh, love, uh, you know, these kids, when they come through, you know, you know, they're like we were. You handle so many things through life. If some guidance is great. A lot of guidance would be greater. But yet, what have we done as American society? We have turned our back on our kids. Why? Because we're trying to make a living so hard and trying to get ahead and trying to provide the things that our family and our kids and people 
The Cowboys just signed a guy that um, I believe when playing for the Falcons, he would kneel during the anthem and everything. It's going to be really, and he's already spoken out saying that uh, he plans to kneel. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I'll bet you that him much a bit. Yeah. Oh, you, you. Uh, if, if he don't, he don't have a leg to stand on anymore. He's a man that's uh, talking out of both sides of his mouth. So once you make a decision on which way you're going to go, that's where it has to be. And it's not always fun and games. Uh, sometimes it has to do with life. And as a coach, that's one of the things I think you realize quicker than anything. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not against a, a player uh, being on a knee, but he ought to be praying. Right. And a guy that's standing up ought to be saluting the flag. And that's the way I feel about it. Well, and, and I'm I'm not against, you know, those 
those players really speaking out for what they believe in outside of what they're doing, you know, on the field. But But when you put on that uniform, exactly, you become a speaker for that club. And when you're a speaker from that club, everybody has to be united and everybody has to be hidden. Why is the NFL like it is right now? I can tell you they're fixing to experience one of the worst years they've ever had. I think you're right. Not not only count of the virus, on account of the way uh, the appeasement that the players are getting and, and, uh, you know, they're not holding a line. You know, you have to hold the line. And uh, they're not holding the line. The NFL administration's not holding the line. People are not holding the line. Uh, I will not watch any NFL games this year. That's very unfortunate for me because I'm an old man and enjoy it. But at the same time, I'll pick up my fishing pole and I'll go fish or I'll go do something else. I will not be watching them. And the reason why is because of that. And the way that they're taking it and where they're taking it to and they're earning it and they've already earned it. And, uh, you know, uh, those guys need to be on the other side of making that uh, uh, $7 million a year. They ought to be the guy that's having to sell the popcorns and tickets and put on the shows and do all that stuff to try to make that money back. Because the NFL... He's on his way down the hill, and if somebody don't correct it, it will be out the door. And and you do that by simply saying, no, we will not tolerate it, and you will. Or you will not be on this team and then eliminate the player. Yep, you can't be against the country you expect to pay your bills. Right. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, yeah, that beats all I've ever seen. You're against the people that's paying for the ticket for you to live. Yeah. Yep. Well, Coach, I'm sorry, go ahead. It's a, it's a very, and really, you know, I mean, we're talking, but it's really a sad day in this country when those things take place and those things occur. It's just a sad day. And, uh, Coach, and I, I think wish it wasn't that way, but that's the way it is. I think sometimes that's why I enjoy conversations with uh, coaches like yourself where we talk about the good old days because times have sure been better in this country. And right there in the early 90s, you do have Desert Storm going on, but there's another storm going on. You're looking for a job, and you're going to end up in San Augustine. Tell us a little bit about how that happens. Um, well, I, I had a couple really good friends in San Augustine, and they were a coach at the time and uh, you know I had one of them come over and say he want to know would I be interested I said sure I'm interested in anything I'm interested in having a job and working and I said you know there's a few things that I need to set 
What, uh, what was the biggest thing that you remember kind of about transitioning back from the college game to the, to the high school game? Anything in particular? Well, I think, uh, well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot different uh, where you have guys that are in college to where you got to sit down and, you know, I, I mean, the, the, the depth, the depth of, uh, it's kind of like uh, when you take math and then you take algebra. Well, math's okay. Reading, I mean, uh, 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 addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division down here in elementary school, and then you get the algebra in high school. Well, uh, what the difference between high school and college football is you can't go into as much depth because you don't have the time with kids that you had in college. In other words, it becomes the responsibility of the college guy also to be there, be on time, doing high school. That's not, uh, you know, they've got to be part of a program, and that program's got to be one that exists within that school and operates within that school. Uh, it can't be all football. It can't be all basketball. It can't be all track. It can't be all any baseball. It can't be all anything. It's got to be athletics, and that has to contain all of those sports. And while at San Augustine, I'm happy to say that we had very good football, we had very good basketball, we had very good track, and we played a little baseball every once in a while. So I'm saying that, uh, you know, as an AD, your responsibilities becomes greater in the way you set everything in.
You said something interesting a minute ago. Uh, I mean, all, and all the stuff that you're saying right there, a lot of the times I think coaches uh, in 2020, sometimes they leave some of that stuff out because it feels or it sounds cliche or whatever the case may be. But cliche needs to stay around. Those things need to be said and kids need to understand you got to grow up being honest. you got to grow up you know, not, not stealing, not lying, not cheating and all that because it eventually catches up to you and, it's, and it ends up spilling disaster in your life. But... I, I, you said something that I, I definitely don't want to lose here about San Augustine and knowing you had a chance to win. I want to uh, using TexasHighSchoolFootballHistory.com. They they keep a lot of really good information on here. And one thing in looking at San Augustine's history, coach, the last time they won a playoff football game before you got there was 1966 uh, against Hallsville. And and so I guess I'm wondering what about San Augustine in 1992 made you think you could go there and be successful because they don't they didn't have a history at that point. You're going to be uh, instrumental, of course, in building the what are still today, obviously, with the state championship run in 03, the best of times that their football program has seen, even though they've got a great program today as well. We both agree. But I'll let you go from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people, the town, uh, the, the guys that I knew there, the, and everybody, everybody was ready to get back to the time when they could win. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest highlights of all was state championship in basketball by Henry Willisey at San Augustine, Texas. Well, uh, in San Augustine, they know when basketball comes, they've got a chance to win. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the history behind it is they've been good. And, uh, you know, the history behind football was not that way. So what do you do? You go in, you clean up, you start off, you start putting in a program, you start winning some, and then you go to winning more. And then finally you look around and here comes a group of kids
Yes, sir, absolutely. Well, that's the way I've always viewed the game. Somebody could ask me, uh, how many football games? Oh, they do it all the time. Well, how many football games do you win? I don't know. I still don't know. I ain't, I ain't even interested in it. I can tell you this. I can go back through about 200 people that I know, kids, people, uh, that, you know, through life that I've been associated with that somewhere down through that path, I helped them. You know, I, I, I mean, the game is about people. It's not about statistics and winning and losing. It's about helping people. If you don't help people in the game, you can't be successful at the game. Or you can go in and you can cheat and do the things that you need to do to win, but I'm talking about doing it from a correct perspective of trying to help the kids, the people, the, uh, those that need the help, those that don't need the help. You know, sometimes the, the, the biggest flaws in character are the people that have money, not the people that don't have money. Uh, sometimes a guy that don't have nothing is a whole lot better well-grounded and well-grounded than the richest kid in school. Uh, that's hard to say, isn't it? But that's actually the truth. Uh, people don't say it, but it's actually the truth. And, and what you're dealing with when you're dealing in athletics and you're dealing in football is you're actually dealing in the truth. You want that guy to go line up, play the game, give you everything he's got, and you're going to stand there in front of him and lie to him about something? No, you're going to tell him the truth, you know, and, and be honest. And, and you teach him to be that way. So that when I hang my pants up in that locker and I got $5 bill in the pocket, I come back in, I expect that $5 bill to be there. I'm in this field house, in this locker room, and I do not want you stealing from somebody else that's on the team with you. That's a very, I'd run a guy off quicker for that than I would for anything that he done. Because you can't trust a thief. And, and that's just a, a, one of the coaching, teaching points that anywhere I went or anything I've done, I've always tried to uphold the, the very basics of what I'm trying to do and how I'm trying to get across uh, what I'm actually trying to say to those guys. Hard on them? Yes, I was very hard. Uh, tough on them? Yes, I was very tough on them. Uh, how much can the human body take? An awful lot. Uh, how much is we as humans, can we, can we make ourselves do it? Uh, up to a certain point. And then uh, uh, something else has to take over. It can be fear. It can be desire. It can be whatever. But at some point in time, something in your body takes over and You know what, what's terribly sad about a lot of what you said there is 
when when I mean when coaches put a lot of emphasis on people and character and building up people and stuff and they don't do you know cut some of those corners and 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 try to win games you know quick and and do some things that that maybe try to help them keep that job sometimes people don't focus on the real stuff that you're doing at that ground level that eventually builds up into I would argue what you're going to do there at San Augustine in 2003 it takes a little while to get to the top of the hill but not only are you spending 11 years there building quality people you're going to make it to the top because they give you that time to get to the top and uh, they don't give you much time after that. And of course, I'll let you elaborate on that if you'd like to uh, later on. But I mean, I think I think so often the politics that becomes involved uh, looks at all these things and they just don't quantify the stuff about building quality people, uh, of course, in, in terms of what you're doing. So. Well, so much of what goes on, so much of what goes on in this world today is based upon the things like you see today. It's based upon uh, hate, uh, grudges, uh, you know.
to try to get them all back on the same page of which they'd let get off. Uh, friendship, uh, you can have a really true friend and know he's your friend and be gone for 20 years and come back and that guy's still your friend. But he's not as close a friend as he was when you were there with him. You know, and, and it made it difficult to put together that deal. And, and besides that, only two years, and after two years, I left. I mean, uh, that was it. That was all I wanted. And, um, yep, and they started building it back, and they've got it back now to a good place. Uh, St. Augustine is an interesting town. And, and one of the jokes I always tell on St. Augustine, and there's a lot of truth in it, is that uh, St. Augustine is uh, probably uh, all 10, 15 years behind everybody. But the great thing about St. Augustine is they ain't worried about catching up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's the honest truth. Yeah. They like they like the way their life is and the way they live. And I don't blame them. It's very it's a very small town. They have a close knit group of people. You know, uh, the community as a whole uh, all get along pretty good. Oh yeah, they've got some rough times and hard times and you know, everything else. Uh, but most 
cross-country coach there in Ozona you know that was one of the things that I did when I got to the community there I pointed to a previous state championship they'd won in 04 and I said look it's been done here before it could be done here again and sure enough in 2013 we were able to make it happen you know and and uh, create great people along the way and help mold great people along the way all that stuff was a great uh, three-year run um, so I think that probably helps the generation that's there today Absolutely. Coach, if you don't mind, if I take us just a step back here to that 03 season, I want to give you just a chance for some of our big time football fans that really like to, you know, like the names and all the, the big places and everything. When you guys play in the state championship, you play in a pretty special place. And you also, on the other side of the field, there's a pretty special quarterback lining up against you that you guys are successful against. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that?
Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, let's see here. I had a, I had a good question. I got lost a little bit there listening to your story, though, and and my question faded out of my mind. So I guess it's not, uh, not the end of the world. But um, what, uh, what advice maybe do you have for anybody that's looking to go into the world of education in 2020? I mean, you've been out now a little while uh, since since 2008, 08, 09 school year, right? Yes, uh, what uh, the uh, education is is uh, really is turned into a really really complicated situation because what you have in this country is very easy and, and, and just to be honest, I'll explain it to you in the best terms I know how to explain it. When you when you come out of high school, you're in pretty decent shape. When you go to college, you go into a situation to where you're you go in with a tremendous uh, amount of liberal professors uh, that thinks the world is uh, looks like an egg instead of round and the next four years they try to say you on that egg being round and uh, that in itself is basically uh, an education where the problem uh, exist and then you have a very very liberal uh, uh, more so country than you've had in the past uh, we as Americans are going to reach a point where we're going to have to stand up we're going to have to take uh, our schools back uh, right now uh, I mean you got the buyers go to school don't go to school stay at home learn from home do this do that we're 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 in a position to where people that want to take over this country or run this country are at a place where they can create animosity turmoil everything involved in throwing away this government and and being run by a certain set of rules and regulations by people that do. If you don't believe that, then you go and look at Pennsylvania, you go and look at all these other countries. Uh, We're the last standing freedom of expression, freedom of speech, freedom to talk, and all these people running around hollering about it right now. Uh, just as soon as uh, they do away with it, well, then that'll all be thrown out the window and we'll go into a socialist society to where if you don't like the way it's being run, we'll just eliminate you. Uh, that's not what America through the years has been. America has been a place to grow, understand, obtain knowledge, You know, so, so many, so many people would say, "Oh, that's that's you know what you just said about if you don't accept that socialism, they'll eliminate you." 
they would think that, that what you just said there is absolutely crazy, but I frequently remind people when I have the gun argument with them, uh, you know, our Second Amendment rights and everything, I say to them all the time, the, uh, the, and I heard this years ago somewhere, that the greatest killer of the, 21st, uh, of the 20th century, rather, excuse me, uh, was governments. And you look at it, and you look at, um, you know, Germany, uh, Russia, China, Italy, and many of these different socialist communist type regimes that uh, took over and what they did to the, the group of the population that disagreed with them, and you're absolutely correct. Some of it's 
absolutely. We've never been there, but we're there now. No, no question about it, Coach. It is wild times. Uh, when you think about, you know, those situations like in, in the, the chop zone there in Seattle, I mean, because just to build on the comment that you made about uh, many of us, we haven't had to kill people, but there may come a point in time when, when that situation, you know, God forbid, would come about. And if somebody is busting into your property and threatening your life, you know, here in Texas, we're, uh, we're not real shy about what our plans are for a lot of us, um, you know, and that is to defend ourselves. And we're a, we're a state that that is usually very, for the most part, very proud and, and prepared. And and so I think that's one of the big reasons that you don't see a lot of that stuff taking place here that you do in some of these other areas. Uh, Coach, if you don't mind, I, I, one thing that I really wanna make sure we get in here and I let, uh, I let every guest that I have go down this road just a little bit. You mentioned your daughters and your son and everything and I'm sure you have some grandkids. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about what your family meant to your career and, and talk a little bit about your kids and grandkids? Well, I think probably one of the hardest things to do is to talk about your family in that respect, you know, hear that that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's been a long time but it's been great you know Mm -hmm. Uh, we were high school sweethearts Uh, we got married we've been through some good and we've been through some bad just kind of like coaches Uh, you know we've been up we've been down Existed together, and uh, we work all those things out as we go. And you know, uh, shortly after we were married, our oldest daughter Kim was born, uh, and uh, Kim was educated in. Uh, Nacogdoches for the biggest part. Uh, uh, she, you know, she left and uh, when she got older and uh, had a boyfriend in Deer Park and ended up eventually marrying him. But she had to go to school at, uh, down at, uh, about us. Uh- 
That's really it, neat. You know, I really have an awesome family. Yeah. Well, Coach, been I... blessed. Been well blessed through the years. Winning, losing, coaching, enjoying life. Yeah, I got, I, I've got a, one of my son-in-law runs one of the prestigious golf courses up there in Dallas, uh, groundskeeper. I don't say run it, but he operates there. And my other grandson, he's finishing uh, school at uh, Southwest Texas State in uh, San Marcos. Uh, my other granddaughter, Maddie, she's trying to get out of high school. And uh, my other granddaughter, Haley, she's a nurse. Uh, very caught up in all this COVID stuff at the present time and working herself to death. But, uh, you know, very appreciative of all the things we've been able to do and all my kids. Yes, sir. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to share this story of uh, of your career and family here with our listeners. And I think there's a lot of really good stuff that uh, people will be able to take out of this and 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 you know consider that'll benefit their career and their life. Well, I hope so. Uh, more than willing at any time to talk about all the good things that. Uh, that I've been able to enjoy and do. You know, I, I, uh, I remember, uh, 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 you know, I, I played a national championship against a guy named Eric Russell. I don't know if any, any of you ever know Coach Russell or not, but Coach Russell went back all the way to uh, uh, Dobbs. Uh, I mean, long ways back in the coaching ranks at Georgia Southern and, and, and was a great coach, ball-headed, uh, you know. Well, the day I go over there to play him and he, he comes out there on the field, he's got on a gray shirt that's got a hundred holes in it. <laughs> it's been washed so many times that it's just falling apart it's, and it's got holes all it's wore out. In other words, it's a t-shirt that's been washed one million times. And it's wore slap out. Well, that's all he's got on is that gray shirt. He walks out there and he says, Coach, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good, Coach. Uh, and I said, uh, well, that's kind of a unique uh, coaching shirt you got there. And he said, Coach, he said, uh, I got this when I went to the University of Georgia. He said, and it still had, it was faded out, but it still had the University of Georgia on front of it. He said, I wore it the first day of practice and I've had it on every day since. And I said, well, it looks like it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he laughed and he said, you know, I said, Coach, let me tell you what. If I can beat your tail on this field today, I'll get out here in the middle of this field and get totally naked if that's what it takes. I said, it don't matter. I just want to win, son. And he died laughing. 
only uh, wore out shirt. And he said, it kind of helps him a little bit. And I said, well, you talked me into it, Coach Russell. I think I'll just, and then I started undoing my collar and all this stuff, you know. And he said, whoa, whoa. He said, uh, let's just play football. And I said, you got it. And so we went out there and got it on. Now, that's two old coaches standing out in the middle of Georgia Southern at a national championship talking and uh, having a good time. But I uh, respected the guy. Absolutely. Well, I thank you very much for the interview, and it's nice visiting with you and talking to you, and hope the best for you. Well, thank you very much. If you find yourself enjoying this episode of the Tail Lights Podcast, please take the time to go and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Well, listeners, if you ask me, that was a great story that had a lot of very valuable information in it for anybody that wants to be a coach that is meaningful to the young adults you work with. Coach Gray's wife, Darlene, provided for me a couple of additional uh, pieces of content here that I'm going to share in the podcast record here. The first one is a letter written by Coach Graves to the Pine Log, which, of course, is a student newspaper there at Stephen F. Austin State University. This is after uh, his firing there at SFA. So here we go. This is a letter from Coach Graves uh, from all the way back in the early 90s. During the last few days, I have had time to think over the past 28 years. I have thought especially about the last 8 or 10 years and the last 32 months that I have been head coach of the Lumberjacks. First, I would like to address the players whom I have had the opportunity to coach. I can never thank you enough for the hard work, discipline, and sacrifices you went through in order to be a part of a group of individuals who desired to do something they loved. I would like to thank you for the love and respect I have received from so many of you. Let me assure you, I have tremendous love and respect for you. Go win homecoming. Next, I would like to thank the Lumberjack Band, whose spirit and pride has often been tested, but will never be equaled. The fight song and the alma mater at the end of the game has always brought a warm feeling to me, win or lose. Some great memories will go with me in the pleasure you have provided through your sacrifices and love of music. I am grateful. To the parents of players who traveled who gave, who supported, who shared their family with me. Thank you for caring and for trusting me with your sons. To the students who have been fans of the Lumberjacks, I hope you received pleasure, excitement, and enjoyment in watching the athletes perform. May that support always be there and that feeling never leave, even after you have graduated from our university. I wish we could have given you more to be proud of, but remember in real life you do not always win. It is easier with an educated sense of direction, but be ready for that loss and challenge, the same one I am facing today. To the backers of the Lumberjacks, I know there were years when you could hardly sit down for the joy and excitement taking place. At other times, the anguish and pain was so disappointing it was hard to make the fourth quarter. The things I will remember the most are the friends, the help, 
the encouragement, the love, and the great support you furnished me and my family during a difficult job. Thanks for sharing. To the faculty of whom so many are friends, I have felt the anguish you have expressed over the last few years. I feel the disappointments you have suffered through, but my hat goes off to you for your accomplishments as teachers. Athletics is the front porch, something visible, of a university. But you are the true insides that create the atmosphere for learning. I thank each of you that has supported our program. The ones who have not, I thank you for the frankness by which you stand. To the instructors I had here in my early years, thank you for the horizons which you created in my life. I hope your respect for me as a person is not devised by the job I try to do, but by the class in which I tried to conduct that position. To the staff, it has been my pleasure to be associated with so many of you. From the underpaid secretaries, janitors, grounds crew, cafeteria, vending, electrical, plumbing, maintenance, and all the positions who always do so much for what little they get. To those that always love the lumberjacks and have found a way to help in the red tape bureaucracy of your jobs. To the Pine Log and Daily Sentinel, my hat goes off to you for your coverage of many subjects of importance to the student body in an effort to create thoughts and opinions. The inquisitive nature of athletics helps keep a focus on the main purpose and strife of that department. I appreciate your coverage of many subjects over the years and your strides to be objective and fair. I truly know how hard truth is to obtain in certain areas. To our cheerleaders and pom-pom squads, the enthusiasm and hard work you display with your routines, travel, and willingness to work for a common cause has always been great. I know it's especially hard to produce in situations you do not control and you have done an exceptional job. To the fans and friends of the Lumberjacks and Lynn Graves, I can never express to you how much you have meant in my life over the years. You have helped create a better man out of me because of your expectations. Your friendship can never be repaid because there has been too many to even try to tell you personally. I know those friendships and kindness have nothing to do with me being a coach. It has and will continue to be a mutual respect and love about what is fair, decent, and loyal in this world. I hope to continue to hold these beliefs in high esteem. You gave me this uh, through the years. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. To the administration, my prayers go with you as you try to plod your course through these difficult times. I am sorry your expectations were so high that the character, discipline, and integrity of the program were placed second to winning. I hate the loss of friendship that has occurred over this transition. It is a terrible thing when power struggles, deceit, and deception set in toward faculty and members of your own department. To the Board of Regents, your job is an important one because each year your decisions affect thousands of lives in the university, even though it is not your means of making a living. It is a unique situation when you control the lives of so many without the loss of anything on your part. Your decisions are based only on personal integrity. To those on the Board of Regents who voted me in and have shared some great times, thank you for the chance to try to make a difference in so many lives. To those who did not have the chance to know me, I feel it was a loss on both our parts. In being a graduate to, with two degrees from a university I truly love, I would only say, this is still my university, but I don't do windows. I will continue to be the same man who went to the national finals and the same man who was 2-6 and six when he was fired. I hope that does not offend anyone because the 1-10 season was left out, but that does not go by my name. That one belongs to another. I had some goals for SFA and the Lumberjacks, and I will not be able to see them come true in my tenure. We were able to graduate some exceptionally good students, and we were the first to win a conference championship outright something that had not uh, transpired in the total history of the university. The time was short, the lessons were hard, and the politics of this university are cruel. 
Life is not always fair, and God will not look us over for the medals or diplomas or degrees, but for scars. Thanks for the third degree. We thank uh, Darlene Graves for sharing that letter, um, very truly heartfelt letter that really captures the feeling at the moment and the time of how Coach Graves felt. And I have another letter here that goes out to the community and parents of San Augustine at the beginning of uh, Coach Graves' final year there in San Augustine. This is again in it, during his second stint there in, in San Augustine. So here we go. The idea is that God started this world with love and kindness until the devil arrived. As we start this football season, we will try to improve on the love and kindness and try to improve on each student-athlete's respect for other people. We will teach humility and thankfulness that we live in a country of rights, freedom, and respect. Let us as adults show our kids those traits we would love for them to have. Being an old coach, I believe respect, humility, kindness, love, and self-respect are a few traits that are highly important to a student-athlete. This is what I try to instill in our youth in St. Augustine, and I would appreciate your help as fans, parents, and interested parties in our school system. After being here and having what happened to me, my wife, and my son at St. Augustine ISD, this will be my last year. I would appreciate your support at the games and with the kids. I feel that, athlete, I feel that athletics will test a man's character. Athletics is about kids. I have never thought the game was about me. I know it's a hardship on you as a parent or supporter with the economical situation the way it is. We all can try to finish what has been a great life coaching your kids in this community. Be positive. Let's go Wolves and remember, it's about kids. Help them keep uh, life in perspective. Number one, God. Two, family. Three, education. Four, athletics. Five, social life. It will work as it did with the 03 group. Coach Lynn Graves. Once again, I'd like to thank Coach Graves for taking the time to visit with us here and, and, and share his life and, and experiences and career with our listeners on the podcast. And I hope everyone out there is healthy, uh, happy, and ready for another school year. And I hope that we're going to be able to get that thing going here in the very near future. Um, until next time. Thanks again for listening, and please remember, if you could, to go and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Until next time.